Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away. I'll fly away, oh glory. I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Just a few more weary Joy will never end. I'll fly away. I'll fly away. Oh, glory. I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Okay, come on. Good job. If you have your Bible tonight, uh, we're in the Gospel of Matthew, the 10th chapter, beginning in the 32nd verse. Now, those of you that have been coming on Sunday nights, you know that uh, we've been talking about the hallmarks of discipleship. Let me kind of go over that. You might want to write this down. This is good. If you've got a pen or a pencil somewhere, you might want to write some of this down. The title is The Hallmarks of Christian Discipleship. Number one, a disciple tries to be like his master. A disciple tries to be like his master. That's chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. You got that? Okay, number two, a disciple gives reverence to God and not to the world. Number two, a disciple gives reverence to God and not to the world. That's chapter 10, 26 through 31. If you didn't get all that, see me after and I'll give it to you. All right, now tonight we're going to do number three. Number three is a true disciple confesses the Lord. A true disciple confesses the Lord. And that's verses 32 and 33 of chapter 10. One of the things that uh, I've tried to do uh, all my ministry is lead some people to Jesus. I think that there's two things. We want to lead some people to Jesus. We want to develop people in their faith. Those are the two things. If we do those two things, Lord is going to be pleased with us. Those are kind of the main things. And I've uh, tried to build my ministry around that. And I know that many of you have been involved in that through the years. And those are very, very, very important things to you as well. Well, let's look at verse 32. Everyone, therefore, who shall confess me, uh, talking about Jesus, 
Everyone, therefore, who shall confess me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever shall deny me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Now, right there, as we read this text, you need to be thinking about yourself. Have you confessed him before men? That's, that's really what we're talking about tonight. Have you confessed him before men? Now, I'm going to say this later, but if you don't say anything, that's denying him. If you never say anything to anybody about the Lord, that's denying the Lord. Because in everybody's life, those opportunities uh, come along the way. And uh, it's important. I want to tell you my all-time witnessing story tonight. I don't think I've told this before. This is funny. A man came to, I was pastoring in Fayetteville, uh, Georgia, and this man came to visitation. We tried to get a lot of people to come, and we usually had about eight or nine people that would go out. And this uh, fellow came, and it was his first night. And he said, uh, I've never been on visitation in my life. He said, I don't have a single idea about what to say. And I said, well, go with me. I said, I've been practicing this. I, you know, I know what to say. Come and go with me. And he said, all right. So we had three addresses. So we went to the first address, and we couldn't find it. And we kept driving around, driving around, driving around. We couldn't find it. And uh, finally, uh, we saw a man sitting in the window. There were no curtains on the window. It was real odd. It was a real nice neighborhood. There were no curtains. And here was this guy sitting in the window. And we thought, we'll go up there and ask him where this place is because we can't find it. And I had a map. So uh, we went up there and knocked on the door. And the guy said, are you a preacher? And I said, I am. He said, I have been praying that God would send a preacher tonight. And I said, uh, well, that's, that's really something. You know, I, I thought, that's remarkable. And uh, he said, I'm a pilot with Delta. He said, I've been gone for three days. I got back about two hours ago, and everything in this house is gone. My wife is gone. Everything is gone. Car's gone. He said, even the fixtures are gone. He said, everything is gone. He said, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to think. He said, uh, this is terrible. He said, you got to help me. I sat down with him, and I said, well, you know the one that can really help you is the Lord Jesus, and he wants to help you, and he can help you. Can we talk about him for a minute? He said, we sure can. I'll take any help I can get. And so I talked to him about the Lord and uh, got down to the end of the little talk, and I said, would you like to trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior tonight? 
And he looked at me and he said, well, you know, he said, I've thought about that a number of times in my life. He said, I've never done it. He said, I'd like to do it. He said, uh, would you give me a few days to pray about it? And I said, well, there isn't going to be anything more that you need to know than you know right now. And he said, well, just give me a couple days. And I said, well, all right. And I had a prayer with him, and we left. And the guy said, you know, that was unbelievable. He said, uh, the guy was with me, he said, he said, I never heard anything like that in my life. He was sitting there waiting on a pastor, and we showed up. He said, that was remarkable. We went to another house. There was a man and woman. We went in. They said that they were real glad that we came, that they'd been thinking about it, thinking about it, praying about it. And they both wanted to trust in Christ. And, you know, in about five minutes' time, I led them to the Lord. And we had a great visit. We hugged each other, said, uh, you know, hope to see you Sunday. And they said, boy, we'll be there. So we went to our third place, and a lady was in there, and uh, I went in and talked to her for about an hour, and uh, she uh, was had a lot of questions about a lot of weird things, and uh, I talked to her as best I could, and finally, after about an hour, she, you know, confessed her sin, and placed her faith and trust in the Lord. And so I was about to leave, and this uh, boy came up to the door. It looked like he was about 18 or 19. And the mother said, he's lost. She said, he's lost as he can be. Get him in here. Let him get saved too. And I said, okay. So I got him in. We went in and sat down, and I told him what his mother had done. And we talked for about an hour, and uh, he had all kinds of weird questions. And uh, finally, he bowed his head and said, said the sinner's prayer and led him to the Lord. And I thought, well, this is just wonderful. So I got up, and I was about to leave, and lo and behold, here was another son came to the door. And the mother said, you might as well come on in and be saved. Everybody else is. <laughs> so I said, well... Okay, and so we went over and sat down and uh, talked to him for a long time. I don't think it was an hour. I talked to him for a long time, and, uh, and he trusted in the Lord. And so it was real late by this time, <laughs> as you can imagine. And uh, we went out and got in the car, and we were driving back to the church. And the man that was going with me, he said, you know, I've really been missing something not going to this station. <laughs> he said, I've never seen anything like this in my life. He said, this is wild. Is it like this all the time? I said, every week. <laughs> I will never forget that night as long as I live. That was really something. Well, tonight, let's look at this passage. In addition to emulating his Lord and not fearing the world, a true disciple openly confesses Christ before the world. That's what we're supposed to do, is confess Christ before the world. A leading uh, evangelical minister in Uganda tells the story of persecution and martyrdom of three teenage uh, boys. 
1885, these three boys, ranging in age from 11 to 15, were forced to give their lives for Christ because they wouldn't renounce their faith. They wouldn't do it. The king was adamantly opposed to Christianity, and he ordered the boys' execution if they did not recant. At the place of execution, the boys asked the following message be given to the king. They said, tell his majesty that he has put our bodies in the fire, but we won't be in the fire long. Soon we will be with Jesus, which is much better. Ask him to repent and change his mind or he will end up in a place of eternal fire. The youngest of the boys named Yusufu said, Please don't cut off my arms. I will not struggle in the fire that takes me to Jesus. Because of the boy's testimony, that day, 40 adults trusted in Christ as their Lord and Savior. And indirectly, there were countless more people that trusted in the Lord that were won over a period of many years. By 1887, a large number, again this happened, that a large number of Christians were martyred, many of them inspired by the fearless, loving testimony of those three boys. It had made such a difference in that part of the world. None of these martyrs knew much theology, much about the Bible. Most of them were illiterate, but all of them were new believers, and they really believed in Christ is their Lord and Savior. They had a deep love for Jesus, and they refused to hide it. They did not hide it, no matter what the cost. As nearly as always this is the case, those who died were replaced several fold because of their witness as they gave their lives for the Lord Jesus. A person's willingness to confess Christ before men determines Christ's willingness to claim that person before his Father in heaven. Paul eagerly confessed, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Romans 1.16 Throughout history of the church, believers who have been unashamed to confess Christ is their Lord and Savior, uh, they are the ones that the Lord loves to bring to the Father as they come to the time of departure of this life. Those who confess him boldly and unapologetically before the world are the ones that the Lord's most faithful disciples, uh, but they're also the most effective disciples. You know, if you give a strong testimony, it really means a lot. It really changes the hearts of people. Sometimes you'll be witnessing to this guy, and he won't respond in any way, but the guy that's sitting over here that you don't know whether they're lost or saved, they're converted. Have you ever gone to the wrong house and gone in and sat down with whoever was there, and you thought you were at the right house, and you went in and led them to the Lord? I've done that twice. Went to the wrong house. Well, 
You know, we want to unapologetically confess him boldly before the world. And the Lord, uh, of course, notices that. And he's real happy to present us to his Father. Confess means to affirm and to agree with. It's not simply to recognize a truth. You have to identify with it. To confess means that you're with it. Uh, Even the demons believed in God. You know that from Scripture. They believed in God, but they were lost, James 2.19. Now, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 9, and 10. Outward confession with the mouth is a reflection of a genuine belief in your heart. That's what you really believe. That's bottom line. That's what you believe. A true disciple is willing to openly identify with Christ wherever he is, whenever it is, before a fellowship of other believers, before a group of serious inquirers, or before a hostile crowd of unbelievers. Uh, Near the end of Paul's life, he wrote uh, to Timothy, the one that he loved so much, and he said, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I fought a good fight, I finished the course, I kept the faith. Now that's what every one of us here tonight want to be able to say. That's so important that that's our testimony. One of the things that, I don't know what you'd call it, the opportunity, I guess. One of the things that I've had the opportunity to do is be in the room with people when they died. I've done that many, many, many times over the years. You know, car wrecks or, you know, some kind of thing. And uh, I would be there. And there's such a remarkable difference between those that are a part of the family of God and those that aren't. There's just a real difference. You know, people always talk about how they sense the angels were in the room and how they sense that the angels were singing and how they sense the Holy Spirit was there. I have felt that. I have felt that in rooms where the person was a dynamic Christian, where the person really had stood up for the Lord uh, all of their life. Well, we want to confess him before men. Now, the the other part is uh, not as pleasant. Uh, Sometimes believers can be silenced without persecution. Sometimes... Uh, to simply embarrass somebody will just shut them right up and they won't say another word for Jesus. Sometimes a little bit of ridicule will do it. A brother or sister making fun of, fun of you will cause you to close your mouth. Every believer has lapses of faithfulness, which is why the Lord gives the promise in 1 John 1, 9. Uh, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We know that we fail sometimes. Sometimes we draw back. Sometimes we 
kind of step out of the situation when really we need to be right in the middle of it. Timothy apparently became reticent about openly proclaiming the gospel, and Paul admonished him. You remember that? He said, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord in 2 Timothy 1. You remember Peter uh, denied the Lord out in the marketplace. You remember that? Peter and Timothy had lapses of faithfulness. They felt the shame of the gospel. They knew that that wasn't their normal attitude, that that wasn't what was in their hearts. Those whose lives have been characterized by confessing Christ, uh, they will confess the Lord uh, with regularity uh, before uh, the world. Uh, What an incredibly wonderful thought. To know that all Christians, when we stand before God, you know, the only, only way I can uh, picture this is this way. We've all been in a courtroom at some time or another in our life, but here's the courtroom, and there's God sitting behind the bench, and it's our turn. We've been in a line. It's our turn. We come up, and we stand before Almighty God. And Jesus gets up. He's our defense attorney. And he comes over and stands right beside us. He says, this is one of mine. And God says, bring him on in. Think how wonderful that's going to be. You know, the scripture says that he'll confess us before the Father. I don't know how that'll happen, but that's the picture that kind of comes to my mind as he comes to stand beside us and to speak up for us to be our advocate with the Father. Amen. The negative side of Jesus' warning is sobering. It says, Whosoever denies me before men, I will deny him before my Father who is in heaven. It's possible to deny men, deny Christ before men, by just being silent, not saying anything, by failing to witness for him and trying to be an unnoticed Christian. Did all the people at your place of work know that you were a Christian? Did they all know? Do all the people that have been friends with you for 40 years, do all of them know that you're a Christian? Now, if they don't know, there is something seriously wrong. And we need to uh, change that. You know, one of the easiest ways to do that is to eat out with them and say a blessing. I always, I always do that. I try, you know, when I'm out with people, I don't know anything about their background. I always say, would y'all mind if, uh, if we had a, a prayer together? One time Cindy and I were in Maine at a bed and breakfast, and they sat us by tables, and there were about eight people at our table, and they brought all the food out. And I didn't know these people from Adam. I just sat down. And I said, would y'all mind if we have a little prayer? And one, I think one person at the table said, that'd be good. So I went right ahead. I didn't wait on anybody else to say anything. And I said the blessing. You know, that's one way to let people know that you're a believer, that you really uh have counted the cost, that you've cast your lot with the Lord Jesus. 
Sometimes uh, friends and neighbors and perhaps even family would never suspect some of being Christians. It's also possible to deny Christ by our action, to live like the world lives. Sometimes we use the world's profanity and vulgarity and blasphemy. It is possible to deny Christ in many ways that are not verbally uh, rejecting him. The future uh, tenses in verse 32 and 33, our text for tonight, tell us that Jesus is speaking of a future judgment. In that day, he says, those who confess him, he will also confess. And those who deny him, he will also deny. He spoke of those who bear good fruit and those who bear bad fruit. Uh, In the book of Matthew in in chapter 7, verse 16, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we did did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, the Lord says, I never knew you. Depart from me. Now think how horrible that would be. I mean, that would be unbelievable. Jesus was continually concerned about Judas. You know, if you read all the encounters, all the times that there's anything about Judas, uh, Jesus knew that uh, Judas was not a believer. Uh, He therefore could not confess him before the Father. Judas is the classic example of someone who professed Christ. You know, as they moved around those years, uh, he said, this is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, he professed it, but he didn't confess it. He he wasn't a confessor uh, of his faith. Every conscientious pastor wonders if so-and-so in the church is saved. You know, one of the things I will never forget, this made such a powerful impression on me. I was watching Billy Graham on TV when I was a kid, and he said that he believed about half the people in church were saved. Did you ever hear him say that? He said about half the people. Judy's nodding her head, so at least one person did. Uh, You know, We need to think about that. And we need to maybe, one of the reasons I like to get people in Sunday school, I think everybody ought to go to Sunday school. Because in Sunday school, everybody gets to know each other. And you find out about people. And you find out about their faith or their unbelief. You get to be friends. You you get with people that know you and you know them. You can pray for them. They can pray for you. And it comes down, you know, the the worship service is not a time for talking. It's a time for praising God. The Sunday school class is a time for talking. You know, one of the greatest things that happens in Sunday school is when somebody says, you know, teacher, I've been having a problem with that. Has anybody else in here ever had a problem with that? Tell me what you do. Well, that's when the genius of Sunday school comes out, when you share some experiences that you had maybe 10 years, 20 years before, that exact same issue, and you worked through it, 
And you came out on the other side just fine. The Lord was with you. Well, let's pray that, that all of our folks that are here on Sunday are believers. And let's keep teaching the gospel. And let's keep preaching the gospel. And let's keep holding up Jesus. And let's keep pressing the claims of the cross. If we do that, I think we'll be found faithful. Well, tonight, if you're here... And uh, maybe you've been coming for a good while. You'd like to join our church. We'd love to have you. We had a huge crowd this morning. I think, I think we had about 350 or something. We had a big crowd. I was hoping that somebody would come forward, and they didn't. So tonight, you've got to make up for it. If you're here and, and you uh, never have trusted in Christ, you never have joined the church, let tonight be the time. I'm going to stand down here at the front. We're going to sing a song. If the Lord leads you, you just slip out, slip forward, and take a stand for our Savior.